Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, July 19th. Let's cock a doodle do it. It's Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host. Dane Martinez, they call me Steve Smitten Statistician, and as the cock crows every morning, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing on a Thursday? I'm excited. The Baltimore Ravens were the first team to open camp yesterday. It's official. Camp is open. The football season has started, Scott. Yes, it has, and... uh... You know, I feel like I'm at camp uh, with the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on RotoExperts.com. Enter the king and check out for a discount. I am uh, almost finished editing what may be our biggest and most comprehensive article for the package yet from FSWA award winner Chris Mitchell. His 20 burning fantasy questions and answers for the 2018 season. It is a 7,000-word monster that you cannot miss. All right, absolutely. Make sure you get that. Make sure you go out and get the Roto Experts exclusive Edge today. football package for sure. Okay, enter the promo code THEKING at discount. All sorts of great stuff there, okay? You get great articles. You get rankings not only from the King Scott Angle, but from literally the number one accuracy expert in the business, Jake Seely. High-stakes strategies from guys like Matty Modica. Even an article about what defenses to target from some guy named Dane Martinez. Let's that keep guy is good. I I didn't, have to edit right. his, I didn't have to edit his stuff too much. He was, he's all right. he was pretty he's all clean, right. yeah. He's all right. All right, let's talk about some, some things that happened. I told you, the Baltimore Ravens opened camp with their rookies yesterday, okay? And teams will be reporting over the course of the next week or so. So you got to love that. The piece of news that I heard yesterday, Scotty, that I want to ask you about, the New Orleans Saints signed uh, Shane Vereen. Now, this yes. is a guy we've you've talked been, you've about. You've been waiting for Shane Vereen. Right. This signed. is a guy we have talked about, and I see Shane Vereen as maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know how much tread is left on the tires, Scott, but I do think, you know, the last time I see, saw him with the Giants, he had some value as a pass-catching back, right? He's played that role for the New England Patriots in the past as well, did it for the Giants. Here's my question, okay? Um, a month ago, after this Mark Ingram suspension, we had uh, – you know, we had a, guy, a bunch of guys have a tryout, you know, and Terrence West was signed. Now they go ahead and sign Shane Vereen. We know they have Alvin Kamara, and we know Mark Ingram is coming back in week five. So, uh, Scotty, who has a better chance of making this 53-man roster, Shane Vereen or Terrence West? Does it matter? Really? I, like, we're not going to draft keep on signing one guys. of these guys. It's like one of these guys. Unless, unless it's like unless it's like a, a a best ball league. I I think you know it's, DFS it's, in weeks one through four. 
Uh, Terrence West is not going to have any fantasy value. Okay, what about it's, Shane Vereen? You know, for, forget it. It's even if he makes the roster, unless it's like three running backs get injured, it's not going to happen. Shane Vereen, you know, maybe about the first four games in DFS punt because I don't know what they do behind him. All all they have is Boston Scott there, but. Uh, you know, Kamara catches so many passes here. It's like I can't imagine either of these guys having any fantasy relevance. And when you're talking about guys that like battling to make the 53 three man roster, they only have fantasy relevance really if like a bunch of guys get injured and they end up in a Sam Congato kind of situation. Right. I hear you on that. But we do know that Mark Ingram will not be there for the first four games. And we know because you've said it. I agree. Jake has said it as well. This idea that they do not want Alvin Kamara with 20, 25 touches. They want to keep him in that 15 touch a game round. So realm. So there will be some snaps and some touches, at least in the first four weeks. For, for one of these guys, uh, you know, the question is, who might it be? And if there's maybe any value in, in the DFS formats, I mean, we do think the Saints are a high-powered offense. We do, but, you know, maybe Vereen can catch a, a few passes here and there in relief. But when you're talking about where you really don't have any bye weeks, uh, you know, why would you use any of these guys? It's Especially in seasonal, I can't see it. You know, maybe Vereen is some sort of, you know, long-range DFS punt. At best, I can see it, but you're talking about for the first three weeks, you don't even have any buys either. Yep, fair enough, fair enough, but he was signed, so we got to let the people know here on Roto Experts in the morning as the as the depth charts potentially change down there in New Orleans. To oh, of me, course, I think you know, is- we're, we're full coverage, we're comprehensive, but, you know, there are a lot of people out there that need to hear this because they'll see Shane Vereen, they'll know the name, right. and, you know, then maybe they'll waste a final round draft pick on him. Well, every draft pick is important. I wouldn't use it on Shane Vereen. No, 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 that makes complete sense. I do think what's interesting is maybe the fact that they go back to the well to get one of these running backs in the free agent wilderness. I think, uh, if anything, that speaks to, uh, you know, the Terrence West is just a guy. It looks like they're still looking to kind of replace and fill that role. Um, let's, let's see who gets cut during training camp. Right, exactly, and that's why, Scott, my original question was which one of these two guys is a better bet to make the 53-man roster? Um. Scotty, one of the things that happened, uh, yes, so we got beat reports, and and, uh, they mentioned it as news at the top of the hour, is that Falcons have told Julio that he ain't getting a new contract. Remember, I asked you last, I asked you, I guess, yesterday as it related to Earl Thomas, right? Was he going to get extended? Was he going to get traded? Or was Earl Thomas just going to come on back and play out his contract? And now I ask you the same kind of thing with Julio Jones. I mean, what percent chance do you think that Julio actually holds out into training camp or beyond? Like, do you think he already made his point by sitting out mini camps and stuff like that and he's going to report on time the same way we've heard Rob Gronkowski will? Or do you think he holds out into camp? Uh, it's a possibility he can hold out to camp, but only really Julio and his agent know that. You know, once the season starts, though, you know, guys want to be there. Right. And, you know, they don't want to forfeit the game. game. They don't want to forfeit <laughs> the game chats. Exactly. Right. That's what I was going to say. Uh, but. You know, with Julio and his injury history, if he's going to hold out during camp, sometimes when guys hold out during camp, they're not quite up to playing speed, and right. they become more of a risk for injury. So that would worry me with Julio as we get closer. 
Okay, so there would be a little bit of a worry there because of, you know, you want him to get be able to hit the ground running because of not yeah. only the injury history. Don't forget, I mean, Julio's now entering his eighth year in the season, uh, eighth season in the league, okay? And I'm not saying, like, he's necessarily going to be on the decline or anything, but, you know, I mean, in his late 20s, he's, uh, you know, it, 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 like he's not in his third year, you know, he isn't his eighth year. I, I'll just say that um, he's, he's been hurt. He's been right. a dis- he's been a disappointment in terms of red zone targets, and there's a lot of inconsistency with Julio Jones. You know, yeah. he'll have 250 yards one week and 30 the next. You know, it drives you absolutely crazy. And you know, last year they targeted him 22 times, I uh, believe in the in in the red zone and he only caught six he only caught six of those passes. Yeah, and, and scored three for- times. And don't forget they drafted the kid Calvin Ridley out of Alabama as well. No, I'm not saying he's taken over for Julio, okay? But no. he could be an heir apparent down the line, and he will get some targets, you know. So, uh, you know, there are, there is there is I don't, uh, I don't, a lot I don't, of options I, out there. I'm not going to say heir apparent because Julio, I don't think Julio Jones is even 30 years old yet. So, you know, those guys are going to complement each other. He's going to play in the slot, but a lot of scouts have regarded him as like the best – the best uh, wide receiver to come out of the draft, which, which can only help Julio because he's getting double and covered, tripping, t- trip, tri- triple covered every time out there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that can lead to some more consistency. Fair enough, Scotty. I didn't mean heir apparent in the fact that Julio is going to retire or anything, but listen, he is in a contract standoff with the Atlanta Falcons. And if they're not going to extend him, maybe Julio is going to hit the free market and be elsewhere, not because of age, but because of this contract beef with the Atlanta Falcons. That's what I mean. So they they have now another option, uh, which pre- creates leverage right, you're for the saying team he, if they want. He, he could be he could be the next star for the Atlanta Falcons, right? If and when Julio does move on, and it sounds like you know contract negotiations are not going so well <laughs> right now. Right. That's all I'll say about that. The last thing I want to ask you about, Scotty, news and notes that I heard. Um, reports of that Joe Flacco. Held a, you know, held the camp, you know, and we hear this all the time. They go out to, like, the quarterback's hometown or where they play college, you know, and they get out there and they do some kind of, like, informal workouts, right? You know, it's like, oh, this doesn't violate the CBA. We're just a bunch of guys getting together, you know. Oh, we just happen to be on the same field and practicing, that sort of stuff, right? And they, the point was made that Joe Flacco has not done this with his pass catchers since the year 2011. And it may be more important this year, right, because Crabtree's new, Willie Sneed is new there. You know, things of that nature, both new tight ends there in Baltimore. So I I get that. And the other part of it is that, you know, they're claiming he's motivated now because of Lamar Jackson. I got to tell you something, a quarterback in, you know, a young rookie quarterback drawing early comparisons to Michael Vick. That would motivate me as well. Um, Scott, as you know, I believe that it goes off the rails for the Baltimore Ravens this year. I believe that Lamar Jackson will get his opportunity in the second half of the year to kind of learn on the job, get his bumps and bruises. I believe, you know, we know Ozzie Newsom is moving on after this year. I believe, you know, uh, it's like you're in a bad long-term relationship when you kind of know it's over, but you still stay in the relationship for another, I don't know, like six months or a year. I believe that's where the uh, Baltimore Ravens are with Joe Flacco. They know he's on the downside of his career. They know he's not the guy to lead them to the promised land, but there's nothing they can really do about it. Uh, What do you think about kind of uh, 
the baton passing or the state of Joe Flacco as a quarterback in this league and with the Baltimore Ravens, despite him, you know, trying to bring his guys together and work out. Well, there's something they could do about it. They could start Jackson if they wanted to. But, okay. uh, you know, Flacco is a guy that's won a Super Bowl with them, has been the face of the organization for a long time. And I think they believe that he deserves, you know, one last chance to try to keep the starting job. He's in the same position that Alex Smith was last year with Kansas right. City. So, you know, as far as him working out, you know, it's stuff like that. You know, that's another summer puff piece. But I think we all knew he's going to be motivated and, Look, if Lamar Jackson is drawing comparisons to Michael Vick, how much do I really feel threatened as a starting quarterback when Michael Vick was overrated? You know, he was a great runner, and he was fun to watch, but as a pure passer, he was very erratic, and the guy never won anything. So, And, you know, that's even before he got in trouble. Yeah, he had some, some big games, but, you know, I hope Lamar Jackson becomes better than Michael Vick, you know, especially if I drafted him in a dynasty league. Really? You think that... You think that if you ask the average Baltimore Raven fan right now and you tell them that Lamar Jackson will pretty much have the same career as Michael Vick, you don't think a Baltimore Ravens fan would sign up for that right now? No, because Michael Vick was an erratic passer. And, you know, what did, what did the guy ever win? He won some playoff games. That's it. So I, I, don't, I don't want a quarterback and say I don't want to win some playoff games. If I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. He went to some I've Big deal. Anybody can make the Pro Bowl. You know, it's like, I don't want that. Michael Vick was overrated. You know, he was exciting to watch. I can see that. But the guy was an erratic passer who never took his team that far. And, you know, it's just I, I, I if I'm a Ravens fan, I've already seen, what, two Super Bowls? Right. I have higher standards than that. I don't want to see a few playoff wins in a Pro Bowl. You know, that's what I'm not what I'm looking forward to. I want this kid to be able to take me further than that. I want him to be a better passer than Michael Vick was. Michael Vick was probably the best rushing quarterback that we ever saw. But his passing, his his passing left a lot to be desired. No, that's fair. Um, that is fair. I guess you're in it to win Super Bowls. And certainly Michael Vick did not do that. I do believe he was the first guy to win a uh Playoff game like in Green Bay when it was like below 40 degrees. Yeah, or whatever what was the, what was the deepest they ever went in the playoffs with Vic as quarterback? Um, I don't think they ever made the NFC Championship game, so I would say the divisional round. Yeah, so, you know, that's, I would want to see more than that. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, uh, you know, the question is like the team and the individual, like that's the furthest his team got. Um, You know, I mean, I would say that there were periods of time when Michael Vick was a top 10 quarterback, when Michael Vick was a first round draft pick, when Michael Vick was a pro bowler. But uh, to your larger point, if you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, you want the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl and nothing else. I think everybody makes the Pro Bowl nowadays, right? It is true. I was looking at it as it related to uh, – I was doing a little bit of other uh, prep for another show. And, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater made the Pro Bowl in his second season um, as a replacement. So, because I, I was thinking about Teddy – okay, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was thinking about Teddy Bridgewater and kind of like how he is, you know, only 25 years old. And literally the last season he played – he was a pro bowler, which was, I believe, his second season with Minnesota. Then he had the catastrophic yeah. injury going into the third season. We've seen him play. You know, he, we, he got fully cleared and all. So what we're talking about is a 25-year-old quarterback whose last season in the NFL was he was a pro bowler. Like, that's an interesting asset for the Jets to have. Uh, that was uh, my thinking on another uh, piece. But to your point, yes, a lot of people make the pro bowls because so many people are like, eh, 
it's not even in Hawaii anymore. I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. you know? And yeah. obviously all the players from the two Super Bowl teams need replacements as well. Yeah. Michael Vick's career playoff record was two and four. And okay. uh, he lost four of his last five after that win at Green Bay. I mean, after that win at Green Bay in 2002, we all thought the arrow was pointing up. But, uh, you know, he really didn't do much after that. The one thing I will say about Michael Vick, though, is I, I give him a lot of credit for, you know, everything that he went through to, you know, pay his debt to society and turn things yeah. around. I have a ton of respect for a Michael Vick as a person, but I just feel like, you know, as a as a player, he never re- reaches potential. Fair enough. Um, and he is actually a big uh, part of the flag football league that is going on right now, the professional flag football league that's getting gaining some steam. I don't know if you've seen any of uh, any clips of this, but Michael Vick is one of, I think the I've captains heard of the heard all, like that. a lot about it. Yeah. He's a big ambassador. Yeah, he's a big ambassador yeah. for that league. You know, so to your point, Scott, like kind of. Uh, getting out in front, and now he's paid his debt to society and kind of like, you know, being on the right path, shall I say. Hey, Scotty, uh, you know, if people want to engage with us, there's so many ways to do it, okay? They can use the phone number, 844-843-6879. Our man Kenny must be on the road right now, not giving us a call. Big shout-out to Kenny if you're listening. Holler at us whenever you'd like. We always love chatting it up with you or anybody. You also have the ability to answer poll questions that we put up from time to time. We got a poll question up there today, okay? Find it at FNTSY Radio on Twitter. You can find us at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto. At Roto Experts. Listen, over the course of the summer, you know, we've been also telling you that there's been a few suspensions that are impactful for fantasy football players, okay? Most of these are because of, uh, well, not most. Some are performance enhancing drugs, some are kind of like bad behavior, some are substance abuse, all sorts of reasons, right? But the question is, which one will impact fantasy football the most? So if you haven't heard, Jameis Winston of the Tampa Bay Bucks will miss the first three games due to suspension. There's also Julian Edelman, who's going to miss the first four because of PEDs. There's Aaron Jones, the Green Bay running back. This is uh, drugs, but not of the performance-enhancing variety, of the substance abuse variety. He's going to miss the first two games. And then Mark Ingram is missing the first four games because of PEDs as well. Scotty, I don't know if you've seen the poll results so far. But we're getting a lot of votes already, and the question is, who do you think is leading the poll right now? Winston, Edelman, Jones, or Ingram? Uh, I would probably say Ingram. You are correct. 43%. 43% of people, of voters right now, think that Mark Ingram has the biggest impact. I don't know. I think I might have voted personally with Julian Edelman. I think... Like, Julian Edelman is such a security blanket for Tom Brady, and I also believe that in PPR leagues, you know, Edelman is a solid, in my opinion, wide receiver too, and so I wonder what happens after that with these Patriots in the first four games. you got to think Chris Hogan will get a bump up, and I am interested to see what happens with Jordan Matthews potentially in the slot as well, but you guys can always contribute to the show. We'll uh, We'll be checking in on the poll throughout the hour. Yeah, I voted for Ingram because, uh, you know, it really knocks down his draft position, really pushes up Kamara, whereas Edelman mm-hmm. is, is a guy that, you know, he does get hurt anyway. And, uh, yeah, I'm not saying Edelman doesn't have an effect, but I just feel like, like Ingram's a little more valuable. Fair enough. Let me ask you, though, something that you just said. Let me follow up on that. You said it pushes up Kamara. 
the fact that Ingram is out. I thought we were making the point, Scotty. I thought previously you had said be careful about pushing up Kamara because you don't think he's. My point was is other other people touches. are pushing up Kamara because of oh, okay. this. Not that but I personally we don't endorse think we that. Should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I just wanted to make that yeah. clear, you know, because we are advising all the listeners here because we want them to win their leagues and win that cash. And I was on. I was under the impression that our position was, no, 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 don't necessarily push up Kamara because they want to keep him in that 15-touch-a-game range. And, and to be quite honest, that's why they went out and got Terrence West or Shane Vereen to protect Kamara from having to take on that bigger load, right? Well, I don't think Terrence West is going to protect anybody from anything. I think ultimately... <laughs> Whoever it is, that's what they're looking ulti- for. Ultimately, we are, what we haven't talked about is they still have Drew Brees there, and they can... They could they could use a lot of high percentage passing to move the ball in addition to using Kamara. So maybe they don't run the ball quite. I, I haven't heard that talked about as much. You know, maybe they don't run the ball mm. quite as nearly as much when Mark Ingram is out because he is their main ball carrier, and there is nobody there really other than Kamara could assume the role of that main ball carrier. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think the narrative. I mean, and I I was on the same narrative, and I think it's the right one. Scott, last year, the Saints were evolving a little bit more to rely on the run game, not only because of Drew Brees maybe getting older or whatever, but because it really helped their defense. It really helped their defense in terms of time of possession, in terms of field positioning, you know, that sort of stuff. But you're right. In the first four games, it's not like they don't have a passing game that they can lean on in the first four games, you know. I mean, Drew Brees, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, I think Drew Brees literally has 50% of the uh, 5,000 passing yard seasons in NFL history. I really do. I think there's something like it's happened like six times and Drew Brees has three of them. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's something like that. So, I mean, Drew Brees is definitely someone who they can rely on. And here's the other thing, Scotty. Uh, it's the first four games, right, that Ingram's out. I, I, I look at the schedule. Their first two are at home. Okay, where we all know Drew Brees in the Dome is automatic, like death and taxes, right? So they start with the Bucks at home and then the Browns at home. Uh, so I think they can easily get off to a two-game, you know, to a 2-0 and start. Then the last four games of the suspension for Ingram, they do go on the road, but it's in Atlanta, another Dome for Drew Brees, and then on the road to uh, MetLife Stadium for the New York Giants. Yeah, that uh, so, that 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 Atlanta game's going to be tough. Atlanta's got a really good sure. defense. Uh, you know, with Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. You know, that's you know, that that that's that's going to be a very that's going to be game. the tough one. Yeah, and right. you know what? You know what? The the Browns. It, it depends on how quick they gel. You know, can we yeah, say but, it's going to be an easy win? That, that that team's a lot more talented than they were last listen, year. I'd consider that if that game was in Cleveland. But with it being in New Orleans, I think it's a big step to ask Cleveland. I think they could be taking a progression this year. I didn't say year, they were going to, go going to win the game, but okay, you said you said easy route. easy victory. You know, I don't I don't know about that. Fair enough. But if I'm looking at these four games, I can ease. I I would put the 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 Saints going either three and one, uh, three and one, or you know, I, I would you, say three and one in that stretch. Well, yeah, that you got to got to consider the Atlanta game. That's a, on the road right. against a divisional opponent. Yes, you know that would that be the go, one loss in my opinion. That could go either way. And who is the fourth one? With I think the Giants on the road could also go either way. That um, could, you but, know, they'll. But I'll they, give it they three could and be, one. They could be two and two. They could be three they and one. Be. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we evaluate, you know, and we look at the schedule about who's going to win and who's going to lose, uh, what it always comes down to is you're comparing who's better on paper, but you know. 
what we can never predict is the actual in-game execution, and that becomes even tougher in a divisional game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We shall see. So at the top of the show, I asked for where was my man Kenny in Philly. Ask and you shall receive. Kenny's on the line. How you doing, brother man? You're on Roto Experts in the morning as usual. How you feeling, What's Kenny? up, Kenny? Hey, good morning, y'all. How y'all doing today, guys? Doing all right. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, hey, Scotty, I got I to gotta come at you a little bit about this whole uh, – What's the gentleman name from the Ravens? You guys are talking about comparing to Michael Vick. Yeah, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Lamar. yeah, yeah. Do you know who are on those Atlanta Falcons teams? I mean, Michael Vick was the darn of the whole team. I mean, they had Ward Gunn and Roddy White, Algie Crumpler. I mean, as far as offensively, I think, especially with the the downhill slide that Baltimore's had since the Ray Rice thing, I think they would if they could have anything of excitement. They would sign that uh, the, the administration and, and the fans would sign up for that. Well, if you talk about exci- excitement, and I already admitted that you know Michael Vick was very exciting. I didn't say that, but I want to talk about production. You know, if I'm a Ravens fan, you know I want to see my team win. And you know, Michael Vick never won anything of significance. He was not a good passer. He was an erratic passer. I agree. Just on the. I just disagree on the sentiments, that's all. On to the uh, Saints, you guys were talking about the absence of uh, Ingram, and I, I do yeah. agree Breeze will, will find a way to maybe bubble screen to Teddy again, or plus the the, uh, the X factor I think it's going to be for our team is going to be Cameron Meredith. I mean, Breeze never had anybody throw the ball over the middle with ever since Jimmy Graham left. The Titan has, our Titans have sucked, and I think that Cameron Meredith, Meredith is, going to, is going to occupy the middle of that field. I think... Just right over the right over the middle line, but I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. You know, there's an opportunity from there and there. And, you know, it all it all depends on the knees. But you know, Drew Brees is still a veteran quarterback, and you know he's just going to hit the open man. You know, whoever's open, it's it's going to be it's going to be more for Michael Thomas too, and the, you know the guys that are already there. Yes, I agree. I agree. I'm hey. gonna put these guys that are getting suspended and stuff. Uh, I'm loving this because just let them fall in the draft and I'll be picking them up. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Kenny. We're up against the break, man, but you have a great day, okay, brother man? And I hear you, right? That creates some value because sometimes people are short-sighted. If you think you got a playoff team anyway, these guys will be on your roster and contributing in weeks, you know, 14 and 15. So I agree with you, Kenny. we got a couple of thoughts about what you mentioned with Cam Meredith when we come back. We bring in our guy Mike Leone from Daily Roto as well. Always loving those around the way, girls. It's Roto yeah. Experts in the morning. The King, Scotty Angle, and the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Come on right back. You'll hear uh, Scotty sing. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Tell him, Scotty. Hey, welcome is this back. The Brist- is this the Bristol Hotel? Um, maybe. I think is so. Is this the Bristol Hotel, Chris? Oh, my Adidas. Uh, yeah. Little run DMC Whip action. Little run DMC yeah, action. Yeah, my Adidas. 
Rock through concert right. doors and roam all over Coliseum floors. I stepped on stage at Live Aid. All the people gave and the poor got paid. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I have to take this time on the Roto Experts in the morning to respond oh, boy. to. Yeah, I heard a little bit executive. of Corey Parson coming back yeah. at you. Uh-oh, yeah, you know what? What you got to say to that, Scotty? Corey was very emotional because the truth hurts. You know, you, you can hear it in his voice. And Corey's the one that cannot add. I, you know, I didn't have a, a five-year championship drought. It was like a three-year championship drought. But, you know, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, he knows all too well about long championship droughts of that has-been franchise that is no longer America's team, that is the Patriots. But the facts are, no matter what Corey says, he has lost two-thirds of every game against me every time. And in the one league that we play together for big money – I took down our league and the overall, and he has yet to make the playoffs in two seasons with only eight wins over two years. So when I play with Corey Parson in the same league, when I play with him, he gets scared and he falls apart. So, you know, that that's what he does. As far as the Craig Carton league goes, you know, uh, you know, I really don't care about that, you know, for the record. Just because Craig Carton puts his name on a league – it doesn't mean that that that's all of a sudden the end all of be all of leagues. Uh, you know, I, if I have a thousand dollars to drop, it's not going to be in that league. I don't care what Craig Carton has to say about who's an expert and who's not an expert, because you know he's not. You know that's that that's not a, that's not an area where he's qualified enough to make a judgment. Now, look, I have a ton of respect for Craig and what he accomplished, and you know we got a long way back. But just because it's his league, if somebody doesn't want to play in it, doesn't mean he's not an expert. He doesn't make those calls. You know, as much as I love Chrissy Bones and stuff like that, and you know, you got a league with with, with guys like Bones and Mike Cardano. How how is that an expert league? It's just it's Craig Carton's personal league, and that's it. And, you know, as, as, far, as far as Corey goes, you know, the numbers are the facts. He's 5-10 and 10 against me all time. I took down the GST. I have a ton of titles over the years. I have nothing to prove to him, and I raised him in this fantasy business. So he needs to realize who his daddy is. Woo! Uh, Bavona, that was a little bit longer than a 30-second drop. But I'm sure the fantasy executive will hear that at some point. You can cut that point. up if you like. I'm sure the fantasy executive will hear that at some point. Corey, the uh, the ball is officially in your they're, court, they're, brother. They're man. at least probably you know 11. What I'm saying? You know they're what I'm saying, Corey? Yeah, there are probably at least a thousand <laughs> other leagues that I consider more important than Craig Carton's league. Nothing Ooh. personal against Craig, but uh, you know, just because he's starting the league doesn't mean it has any luster. Fair enough, fair enough. Other than, other than his name behind it. The King spitting hot fire here on Roto Experts in the morning. Listen, Scotty, as we move on, let's, let's talk about why. Uh, one thing I want to clear up Ooh, as well. I'm he wants sorry. to go more. Scotty's one thing on I want to clear up as morning. well. Go you ahead, know, brother. Uh, Craig, Craig's been doing radio for a long time, uh, and he should get his facts straight. Uh, I am not the self-proclaimed king. The, uh, that that nickname was given to me by Mike Demurgis, my original producer. So if you know if you're going to call me self-proclaimed, you know get it right, and you are nowhere near the authority to to, to uh, assign me whether I'm the king or not. You know other people will decide I'm a Hall of Famer, and that's it. So you know uh, get over yourself there, Craig. El Rey de Fantasia, yeah. right here. 
on Roto Experts in the morning. Scotty, let's get back to business here. One I will come years. for everyone Oof. that comes for me. Wolf, Oof. Oof. when you come to King, you best not miss. My man Omar once said that. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. But uh, I'm sure all the listeners here at Roto Experts in the Morning and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network realize that we put the fun in functional sports radio here. Wake up in the morning with us, 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. Then, of course, Carton and Friends on at 9. Remember, we also got a poll question up if you want to interact with the show. And the question is, which suspension has the biggest fantasy football impact right now? Mark Ingram leading the poll. Winston in second. Julian Edelman in third. Aaron Jones in last place right now. Only 7% of people think that he has the biggest impact. He may have a big impact for Jamal Williams owners. But that's another story. Scotty, I do want to ask you, you know, Kenny and Philly mentioned the idea of Cam Meredith. Can I ask you? Can you tell me what do you expect out of Cam Meredith compared to what we saw out of Willie Sneed in the last couple of years? Like not last year as much, but two years ago, Willie Sneed was a viable like wide receiver three on rosters. He was a viable uh, uh, fantasy football player. I'm going to be bringing up his stats in a second from that 2000 and I guess it was the 2016 season. But tell me a little bit. What do you think about Cam Meredith being able to? I think, play the role of what Willie Sneed did for the Saints in years past. Do you expect kind of similar production out of Cam Meredith this year? I mean, look, 2016, Scotty, uh, Willie Sneed, 70, uh, 72 catches, 895 yards, and four touchdowns. The year before that, 69 catches, 984 yards. Those are legitimate wide receiver three numbers. Can Cam Meredith do that this year for the Saints? Cam Meredith has the potential to be better than Willie Sneed, actually, from a fantasy perspective. Now, the thing about uh, Willie Sneed is he never caught a lot of touchdowns. Cam Meredith goes 6'3", 201, so he can be a red zone target. And, you know, the quarterback situation is is definitely better in New Orleans than it it ever was in Chicago when he was there. So there's a potential to do more than Willie Sneed. And, by the way, uh, I remember a few years ago when I was talking up Willie Sneed when nobody knew who he was. Corey was laughing at me and like, you know, who the hell is Willie Sneed? And I was like, as always, I have the last laugh. Ooh, yeah. Scotty, you know, you know, you know what's funny about what he says? He, he, talks, he talks about the years before I won the championship. That's uh-huh. all history now. It's like I got a trophy right in front of me. And, you know, my bank account is fat. So, you know, he oh, got those fat yeah. stats, Corey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what yeah. I'm saying, Corey? All right. Well, I'm sure when the fantasy executive gets wind of this, yes. we will you know what uh, I'm saying? Yes. We'll be hearing it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Hey, Scotty, one of the things that we've been talking about for the last uh, couple of days here in your ranks, which, by the way, we can find on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package with rankings, with articles, all sorts of great stuff there. I mean, for example, you got to check out articles about kind of auction strategies by Dom Cintorino. You got to check out articles about kind of like offensive lines by Brandon Murchison, target projections by Austin Webster. You mentioned the 20 burning questions, you know, so it's good stuff. But we've been talking about the tight ends as well. And uh, in your tight end ranks, we talked about that tier up at the top with Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz, right? And then we talk about that other tier. There's like that second tier 
Um, I think before you get into, you know, before you get into the uh, Burtons of the world, the Ricky Seals Jones of the world, like the Kittles, that stuff, before you get into that, there's a tier that I want to ask you about that, you know, for, for roughly includes guys like Greg Olson, Evan Ingram, Delaney Walker, Rudolph, and Jimmy Graham. I would consider those five the next kind of tier of those guys. Scotty, I mean, you have ranks, so I understand. Of those guys, though, which one do you think is, like, the safest bet to, uh, you know, kind of be be in that tier ultimately? Who do you think is the safe bet there? If I was looking for the, the safest again? floor. Yeah, sure. It's your tight ends four through eight. So I'm talking Olsen, Ingram, Graham, Walker, and Rudolph. Of those guys, who's the safest, in your opinion? Well, Olsen, I've ranked him right ranked because him the just highest. Your ranks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, because, you know, he's, because he's proven, and he just has the he has that he has that rapport there. You know, with, with the quarterback. Uh, you know, mm. you make great points on on Ingram before about you right. know with Beckham coming back with Barkley in there, etc. Right, the target it's competition. Like, we know we know what Greg Olson is. We we want him to score more this year, but and I think that's possible. But you know, the guy is. Until last year, he would never get hurt. Right. He was a kind of durable guy. But at the same time now, Greg Olson is pushing, I don't know, he's in his mid-30s, right, Scotty? I mean, he's got to be, you know, similar. So here's the thing, similar to Delaney Walker, right? So Because I have some questions about all of these guys, all right, Scotty? So, for example, you know I've been on record a lot saying that I believe Evan Ingram is, I don't want to say Fugazi, but I'm not going to have shares of Evan Ingram because in this group, I would rather, he's going to probably, he would be the bottom of this group for me just because, as you make a great case for it, yeah. The target competition, I think, is real. I mean, like, Odell Beckham is going to get 160 targets this year. You know, Evan Ingram popped off when, you know, I've said this before, when there was no Odell, no Sterling Shepard, no Brandon Marshall, even though I know he didn't move, you know, move the needle, really, but, you know, he was in competition for Target with Roger Lewis, and don't forget about Saquon Barkley this year, either, who's obviously going to get his. People think he's a top-five pick, but I digress. With Olsen and with Walker, my issue is their age. My issue is with their age, Delaney Walker. Don't forget, I, I believe, I believe the Tennessee Titans, Scott, I believe they like John New Smith, okay, as a young tight end coming up. Um, I think they like him. Um, I think Walker's a little bit older. And don't forget, we expect the emergence of Corey Davis. There's Deion Lewis, who's a pass catcher there now, two out of the backfield. So I have, I'm a little bit – there's reasons for me to be skeptical of Walker. Similar reasons for Greg Olson. They drafted that rookie DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey, we think, is going to catch potentially 75 balls, and they're both getting older. When it comes to Jimmy Graham, he's on a new team. When it comes to Kyle Rudolph, he's got a new quarterback. You know what I mean? So, like, I think there are – reasons for all of those five to um, push me like so for example Scott I'm probably not going to have any of these guys right but because of those reasons I might rather my choice of the guys in that tier below that I happen to like that I think are ascending you know I would have said Ricky Seals Jones before the incident at the W last week or yesterday whatever it was and I'm personally real high on Trey Burton so I would take a chance on the guy who I think is ascending rather than the bigger name guy who I'm going to have to get four rounds earlier that I do have some questions about and I think could wind up you know, a point of game difference in the regular season, Scott. I don't think Trey Burton and Delaney Walker are going to have, you know, that much of a big split when it comes to it comes right. to where they're going to be picked. Because you're not the only one who thinks they're going to be descend, ascending guys. You know, I think everybody else does as well mm-hmm. who's drafting. You know, I think the fantasy community as a whole 
will feel the same way. So if you're saying, okay, I want to wait and get some value there, you know, Trey Burton is the number nine uh, number nine guy off the board on Fantasy Pros ADP. Delaney Walker is number eight, so there's not that big of a split. And Delaney Walker, you can give me his age, but, you know, the guy still caught – 74 passes last year, which is much more than the year before, whereas Trey Burton is in a new situation as much as I like him, too. He hasn't proved anything yet, so uh, I'll still take Delaney Walker. Jimmy Graham's in an interesting situation because, you know, outside of the 20s over the last two, three years in Seattle, he was a big disappointment. You know, he dropped passes. If he takes a big hit, you crack him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, he drops balls. But, you know, then he could just post guys up in, in the red zone. But this is the best tight end that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. So, you know, there is the upside for him to bounce back to be a number three guy, though. It's, it, it's, it's very interesting. And I think, you know, he's going 54th off the board. He's, he's very intriguing right there. Yeah, he is. Let me ask you something about Jimmy Graham um, and the Green Bay Packers kind of by association, you know. And the, the question is this, Scotty. I mean, Devontae Adams has proven over the last few years to be one of those wide receivers. Now, I always think touchdowns are kind of fluky on a year-to-year basis. But Devontae Adams has shown kind of a consistent, like, touchdown kind of red zone, big-bodied kind of guy, right? Now, has Jimmy Graham ever really been in an offense that already had that kind of wide receiver? You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't the case in Seattle. I don't really think that was the case even in New Orleans when he was there necessarily, right? So, I mean, you know, you talk about what of a great red zone threat he is, but the Packers kind of already have that on the outside in Devontae Adams. Do you expect, you know, like the same old kind of double-digit touchdown season? Season out of Jimmy Graham? Uh, you know, Russell Wilson threw 34 pa- touchdown passes last year, 10 right. were to Jimmy Graham. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers is definitely capable of hitting that number. You got Doug Baldwin over in Seattle. Yeah, you got Doug Baldwin in Seattle who's not really a red zone I mean. guy. Like, I know what right. you mean. Like, Graham is the only red zone guy. But you could see the numbers come differently where he catches six, seven touchdown passes. But maybe there's more receptions and more yardage. More than the 57 and 520 that he had last year. Yeah, I think he's still better than that. Uh, you know, I don't think I can put him on a level with Gronk anymore. It's just, uh, you know, over the years, Graham has shown us to be that, you know, he's not the most physical of, of, of players. It's, yeah. you know, he doesn't block. Uh, he drops passes when you hit him hard. So, you know, that's something he's going to have to overcome. Yeah, fair. I, I, I do agree. You know, Jimmy Graham has seemed to be like this uh, finesse <laughs> tight end almost, right? Exactly. He was, the, he was a basketball player at the University of Miami, so he does have that ability to box out. He does have the size-speed combination, you know, in that level. He's a great freak athlete. But, you know, uh, if you get physical with him, it is it does seem to be the strategy of a lot of teams. Let me ask you about another tight end, Scott, who – it has also been the strategy to be physical with, has also had a long injury history, but, you know, when healthy, has easily been a top five tight end, easily, maybe even a top three tight end. And I'm talking about the tight end over there in our nation's capital, Jordan Reed. Scott, how do I treat Jordan Reed? Like, I'm not going to have any shares of Jordan Reed personally because I'm not trying to deal with, you know, his entire body is made out of whatever Chad Pennington's knees were made out of, in my opinion. Glass. Right? And, exactly. And so, eggshells, you know. But so, you know, remember the old comic book character, Mr. Glass? 
No, I don't. Right? We're like Unbreakable or whatever. Well, in any event, that's what Jordan. I remember Glass made. Joe from uh, Punch. Oh, Out. Oh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Absolutely, yeah. I like that one too. But here's the thing, like. How do you treat him, Scotty? Because they're saying he had the surgery. He addressed the toe issue. Like, if you tell me right now that Jordan Reed plays 14 or 15 games this year, I show you a top five tight end. But I'm not, like, similar to, like, Tyler Eifert. I'm not going to take that chance. Let's put Tyler Eifert in the same category, right? Eifert and Reed. Like, how do you approach that? Like, because there's an opportunity. There's a chance that they represent incredible value where they're going right now. But it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Are you going to have any shares of Eifert or Reed this year? Uh, Reed, probably not. Got him ranked as number 12. You can tell me he's healthy now, but he's always going to get hurt again. And Eifert, look, unfortunately, yeah. un- unfortunately, some guys are more injury prone than others. And it just it happens to be that way with Eifert and Reed. You know, I wish them the best. I hope they stay healthy. Uh, but look, and I was just talking about Jimmy Graham, you know. Yeah, physical coverage. The NFL is a violent, such a violent physical game in that, you know, we I think those of us who never played at that level, you know, just don't have an idea of the violence of the hits. And it just takes its tolls on some guys more than others, you know, and I I realize that and I respect that and from a fantasy purpose per, uh, perspective. You can't trust these guys. You can't draft Tyler Eifert as more than anything as a tight end, too. And if he doesn't stay healthy, then you got to start knowing names of the backup tight ends in Cincinnati. Yeah, because and so let me yeah, ask Andy you that. Dalton will go to those guys. Yes, and I remember there was a week uh, last year I was doing DFS lineup lock with our guy Tony Sincata. He absolutely gets it done. Okay, um, and there were a couple weeks in a row where me and Tony were both on Tyler Croft because he also was a six foot four, six foot five kind of red zone threat. And the week we recommended him, he scored two touchdowns. You know, so talk right. to me about maybe Tyler Croft. Talk to me about Vernon Davis, Scotty. I mean, are these guys who are worth the late round flyer because? you may anticipate how injury-prone the guys ahead of them on the depth chart are? Would you ever do that as like a late-round flyer kind of maybe? Because, I mean, Vernon Davis represents value. He can still get it done. Yes. Tyler Croft was scoring touchdowns. Is that a viable strategy in the very, very late rounds of a draft? I kind of like Vernon Davis more. Right. Uh, because outside the 20s, I feel like he's more yeah. of a factor. But Tyler he's got a new Croft, quarterback this year. Yeah, and Tyler, and, and Tyler Croft is... Well, I believe they played together, haven't they? In San Francisco, did they play together? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, Mike Singleton said, "Can't win with him, can't play with him, can't coach with him, can't yeah. do it." <laughs> yeah, Mike Singletary, I think you meant. Unless you meant Andy Singleton from Fantrax. I'm not no, sure. I said Mike Singletary. Yeah. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. And I think we have a drop for that too. But uh, keep on going, Scotty. Yeah, but uh, you know, Tyler Croft is a guy I don't think is going to get you a lot of yardage and. You know, is just more as a tight end fantasy too. Okay, but Vernon Davis maybe a viable late round flyer. Yeah, right? I was, I was, back. I was thinking about him in like the seventeenth round of Scott's fishbowl, uh, but you know, then he went off the board, so I took Jake Butt instead. Okay, interesting, interesting. And let me ask you this: the last thing I want to ask you about uh, the tight ends, real quick, Scotty. I've been of the, I've been making this point about the rookie tight ends and how it's so hard and that there's data out there to suggest that tight ends, you know, take a jump in their second year once they understand blocking schemes, once they have another offseason, that sort of thing. I would have included Ricky Seals-Jones in this before the incident uh, last week, but we talk about guys like George Kittle. We talk about guys like O.J. Howard. We talk about guys like David Njoku in Cleveland. These are second-year tight ends, and I know you have I know you have them ranked, but can you tell me which one of them do you think is more primed and positioned to maybe take 
take a step forward as a young tight end who might be able to take a leap? Would you uh, buy in more to Kittle, Howard, or Njoku? You have them all ranked between 13 and 17, so definitively uh, a viable tight end, too, that could be streaming or bye week, something like that. Who do you like out of those three? And tell me a little bit, compare those three. Howard's got the most upside. I think he's the most purely talented. Oh, we got the voice of God here, Bavona. There it is. Okay. okay. I mean, I, I guess God didn't think that uh, O.J. Howard was as uh, talented. I'm sorry no. about that. Or maybe yeah, that was the sound of the Bronco on the highway with O.J. Maybe it was the thunder that you hear from O.J. Howard. You know, yeah, so what do we got field. with these three guys? Uh, you know, Howard is a guy that I like a lot, probably the most talented. I think Kittle's probably in the best situation, uh, you know, with Garoppolo. And he's he's got he's got some talent, too. With Njoku, I – New quarterback situation there. I'm not that hot on him as everybody else is. Uh, I'm looking for O.J. Howard to take a step forward this year. Okay, so keep an eye out on that. When you're looking to potentially, you know, get a a tight end two on your draft, maybe uh, O.J. Howard is a guy to think of, especially if you go and get a guy – We say that has an injury history, you know, if you get a Jordan Reed, if you get a Jimmy Graham and you do want to back that up, um, maybe a guy like O.J. Howard can do it. But just don't forget, you also have Cameron making America great again right there in that offense as well. Um, Scotty, one thing I wanted to ask you about. You, uh, you know, because you were talking about uh, yesterday, you know, you're, you're back and forth with our guy, the fantasy executive, Corey Parsons, and you mentioned that uh, Corey's math equation would be a funny potential team name, right? And I, I was, yeah, I was actually, getting, uh, actually, Bavona was the one that came. Oh, up is that Bavona? That. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got, a, I got hit up on Twitter uh, yesterday by a guy, you know, one of my followers, uh, Mark Bishop, at Bish underscore Mark on Twitter. Shout out to him. He was loving the idea of, like, you know, submitting our best uh, – you know, fantasy football team names. And he said that last year, last year, his uh, championship team winning name was Make This House Mahomes with Patty Mahomes. I, like I think that. there's going to be a lot of team names involving Patty Mahomes. Scotty, I have Pat Mahomes in my dynasty league because I knew he was going to ascend to this role. I drafted him in the 10th round last year, so I have him as a 10th round keeper this year. I'm considering naming my team Das Mahomes SA. What do you think about that? I like that, especially with okay. the SA. Uh, yeah, yeah. you got to put – because that makes the you best emphasize ones? the homes in the right way. You know, that's my homes, S.A. But uh, what you got? One of the best ones I saw over the last few years, a guy in my league had a – I think he was in my league, had his nickname. He had an Odell Beckham in, a, in like uh, in like hospital kind of clothes. And uh-huh. It was OB, OBJGYN. Oh, I like that. I like that. There's a lot of them, and everyone knows that there's a ton of fun names out there. I can tell you plenty of ones from, you know, kind of like my my home leagues that have had some very, very – Funny ones, you know, we could always talk about that. I even, uh, Joyke Bell, we had Joykin off, uh, offensive yeah. line cooks, you know, um, Alvin and the humans, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of funny stuff out there, right? Um, but here's what my question I is I was thinking of a few you know, that bouncing around for this year, maybe, maybe in the Greenwich Street Tavern League, yeah, where I, where I play with Corey, who's yet to make the playoffs. I was thinking of three different team names. So, so, Ten and five, my all-time record oh. against them. Oof, uh, we're really on this today. F- uh, five years, which is the amount of time it took him to like, win a championship in the first five years. I know him. In, like the first five years, I knew him. He didn't win anything. And then maybe, maybe the fantasy quitter. 
because uh, Corey at one point actually told me he was thinking of not playing in the GST this year because he was so embarrassed about not making the playoffs. Oh, wow. So we, we will and see. And I, I had to talk him out of it and say, look, you know, I taught you a lot, a lot in this business, Corey, about fantasy football. I taught you not to be a quitter. You're better than that. All right, so we'll see if yeah. he takes that advice. The question yeah. I was going to have for you, Scotty, is remember, we're not really doing Roto Clio much anymore because, you know, we're moving over to football. I wonder, can we have an ongoing thing where we open the door and tell everybody, send us your names of your, your teams, and maybe Bavona, we maintain kind of a top 10 ranking of the best names that we've gotten all year. And then I was going to ask you, Scott, would you be comfortable in the same way that we said if someone beat us in Roto Clio? Right, that they can get a free uh, exclusive edge package. Would you be comfortable that, like, for the best fantasy football team name, maybe it won't be the fantasy football package, but we have some kind of prize for them? Maybe they get a free fantasy baseball package, uh, you know, next next spring or something like that. How do we feel about that? Having an ongoing contest to see what is the best fantasy football team name all season here for Roto Experts in the morning. Well, most people have their names, you know, done you by the. By the time the regular season starts, right? So, but then you know, the regular a, season, but then they'll get an, an in-season exclusive edge package. All right, fair enough. So it's official yeah. on Roto Experts in the morning. Send us your best team names. We will crown the winner, and they will get an exclusive edge in-season fantasy package. All right, Scotty, I'm sure. Fantasy executive will have some stuff to say, but we'll be back tomorrow. And Scotty, tomorrow he's we'll always, he's always a- worrying about me. Yeah, we'll go back to some baseball. I know you've got an interview with Mark Reynolds. We'll talk about this Manny Machado trade and the implications there. And also, this Scotty Fishbowl League is done. We'll look at your team, Scotty. Uh, I know your team has, like, LaShawn McCoy and Ricky Seals-Jones. We'll talk to you about that and uh, all sorts of more stuff as we put the fun and functional sports radio. Have a good rest of the day, Scotty. Jake Seeley up next. Does it better? You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King, Scotty Angle, was on fire this morning. And we keep it going as he makes the hot tag to the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, the number one accuracy ranker in the business every Monday through Friday. You catch him live here on Roto Experts in the morning. Jake, it is a sunny Thursday here where I am. I don't know how it is where you are, but I hope you're doing well. How's it going, Jake, on a Thursday? Everything's going well. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yo, Jake, you had to hear, man. Last hour, Scotty Angle was on fire. I'm talking throwing a lot of shade towards our guy, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. It seems like we have a virtual show versus show kind of beef right now. Uh, There's a little bit of a bug inside Scotty's internal systems. Uh, I think we touched a nerve, but he was going real hard on... uh, on Corey Parsons. He even wants to make his fantasy football team name in the GST League this year, being Corey's math equation, or 10-5, and five, which, he, which he says is his head-to-head record, head-to-head against the fantasy executive. Uh, he's, really, he's, really, he's really hot and bothered today, uh, Jake. Mm, all right. I mean, I'm not too worried about those guys. Whatever. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. You don't worry about the other team. You're just worrying about yourself. I got some news and notes I want to bump off of you. We heard yesterday that the New Orleans Saints signed Shane Vereen uh, to a two-year deal. Uh, Jake, I mean, 
listen, this backfield already has Alvin Kamara. This backfield will get Mark Ingram back. You know, they, they signed Terrence West, who I believe is just the guy. The way I want to frame it for you is, is this, Jake. Which of these guys is a better chance to make the 53-man roster even? Vereen or West? Uh Probably neither. I mean, and if it does, it doesn't matter. I, mean, I don't think they really care. It's, it's not going to matter for fantasy purposes. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Do you think? Do you think by any chance, though, like let's say DFS in one of the first four weeks as a punt play? Do you think either Vereen? Do you think whichever one kind of is the guy that goes through training camp and is with them? Do you think there's any value? Because here's the way I would play it. I think a lot. I think the public assumes erroneously in our opinion that uh, Alvin Kamara is going to soak up more of that load and we're saying that's not necessarily going to be the case in the first four weeks so whoever that other guy is may be may stand to be a little bit of a value as a punt play because conventional wisdom may be that it all goes to Kamara do you think there's any value as an early season DFS kind of low tier punt play even Mm, no, I just don't think I, – I told you, I know that they're not going to give Kamara all the touches, but I don't right. think it's going to be Mark Ingram workload for the replacement. That's the problem. I think they're just going to use Boston Scott and maybe whoever the other person is that makes the roster because Boston Scott's the one they drafted. He's there. I just think you're going to be looking at a timeshare for the replacement of Mark Ingram, and in that case – I, you don't have to worry about it for fantasy purposes. I mean, if he scores a touchdown, everybody's going to be like, oh, I should have right. played. Well, <laughs> well, you're trying to, I mean, okay, so what he did it on probably seven touches. I'm not going to get excited about that. All right, fair enough. Another thing that I saw yesterday is, you know, good old Joe Flacco had one of those passing camps this year, right, where he brings in all his pass catchers to kind of build some chemistry. You know, there is the two new tight ends that they drafted. Crabtree is new. Willie Sneed is new there. You know, they're making the point this is the first time he's done this since 2011. There's been some talk that he needs to kind of do this to take the leadership role, you know, and then also this idea that he's quote-unquote motivated potentially by Lamar Jackson, right, being there. You know, that is great motivation. We talked about it with Patty Mahomes and Alex Smith last year. I brought this up with Scott in terms of like, just like, what do we expect from Lamar Jackson? When would the baton get passed? Because as you know, Jake, you and I both think it, there's the potential for it to go poorly in Baltimore this year. And one thing that I thought was interesting is Scotty says like, oh yeah, he's being compared to the Michael Vick, blah, blah, blah. But Scotty was saying that he expects more out of Lamar Jackson than we ever got out of Michael Vick. And what I said to him was like, listen, if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan and Lamar Jackson winds up being Michael Vick, I'd sign for that right away. And Scott was like, no, 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 you don't want that. He's never won anything. He's never actually done anything. I was like, he won some playoff games. He, uh, you know, went to some Pro Bowls. There was a time when he was a top pick, uh, top first round pick in fantasy. I mean, like, what do you think about that, Jake? I mean, you're down there kind of in the area. If you're a Baltimore Ravens fan and we told you that Lamar Jackson will have, in essence, a Michael Vick career, do you sign up for that right now? For fantasy purposes, you have to. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. Right. I mean, there was a time when he was a, t- a first-round pick, right? Oh, there's a time where Matthew Berry made him the first pick overall one year. I was there when we, right. there was an event in Atlantic City where there was it was kind of way back in the day before like the FSWAs were becoming big too. And it was mm-hmm. a little event a bunch of years ago, and he he was there. Vic, Mike Vick was there too, and he made him the first pick. And that was back when he was rushing for a thousand yards and throwing for so. Lamar Jackson does that and for fantasy purposes. Everybody should be thrilled because he's going to be putting up numbers that they want Deshaun Watson to put up. Right. No, I, I'm with you. When he said that, it kind of touched the, not touched the nerve necessarily, but I was, it, 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 I, it rose a flag for me. I was like, huh? 
you know, I, I, I'd be happy. <laughs> I'd be happy if, if that's exactly what Lamar Jackson did. Now, I understand Michael Vick didn't, like, win anything. You know, I think he went, like, he won, like, two playoff games in his career, although one of them was in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. But so I understand it maybe a little bit from that aspect, but from the player aspect and from the fantasy side, I would definitely take the production that we saw out of Michael Vick. All right, uh, Jake, you know, for the last couple of days, we've been talking about getting to the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and I definitely want to do that. The one thing I do want to touch base with you on first is we got a poll question up, okay, Jake? We got a poll question up today from Fantasy Radio, at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Rotowax. You're tagged in as well, at The All In Kid, if you want to follow us on Twitter. And 40,000 people can't be wrong that are following Jake Seeley right now. So here's what the question is, Jake, and I want to get your take on it uh, before I let you know what the uh, fans have said so far. I hope you haven't seen the polls just yet. Um, the question is, which suspension – has the biggest impact on fantasy football this year, okay? Um, We know some of these people are missing time. Jameis Winston will be missing three games. We got Julian Edelman in the poll, missing four games. Mark Ingram in the poll, missing four games. And Aaron Jones, the Green Bay running back, will be missing two. Out of those four guys, Jake, which of these do you think has the biggest fantasy football impact early on in the season? What do you mean? As in having a loss or once they're back? No, as in, like, we'll kind of have the biggest ripple effect maybe for other people. Uh, that's we'll what have I'm saying. Big, yeah, so, that, so that's the answer, having the biggest ripple effect for other people. So, again, the fact that he's gone and that's going to be the the fact that he's effect. gone, yes, yes. And I'm going to go – the two-game one because I'm going to go back to what I said is because with Aaron Jones, the, the fact is is we might have – the biggest impact because we might find out something that changes the scenario that never would have happened before. I'm going to paint the same scenario that you and I talked about when it happened is Aaron Jones being out for the first two games. The Packers the faced, defenses, right? It, the, they faced the Bears and the Vikings. So there's a scenario where Jamal Williams doesn't look good the first two games and Aaron Jones comes back to a better scenario than he would have had. If he was battling week one with Jamal Williams for touches, he would have had that same matchup the first two weeks and they could have been splitting touches. They both might have got eight to 12 and we might not have really had a clear picture. and We would have been mm-hmm. you know, moving down the street. So there's a scenario where Jamal Williams doesn't look good and Aaron Jones comes back and it's, well, you know, let's give Aaron Jones 15 touches instead because now it's clear that Jamal Williams not necessarily 100 percent at fault of his own. But that's how the scenario is going to play out. There's also a scenario where Jamal Williams gets 100 rushing yards, 80 rushing yards, a touchdown in both games, dominates the first two weeks, and Aaron Jones comes back to nothing. So... I think that's why that one. See, with Edelman, we have the replacements. You know, Jordan Matthews will replace him, but you know, there's other options to go down that Patriots roster. Mark Ingram, we already talked about. The fact is, is I don't think there's a ton of value there. There's going to be, but it's probably going to be hard to find unless we get a clear picture by the week one of the season. And then with the fact that Jameis Winston, Fitzpatrick comes in, and Fitzpatrick can do what Fitzpatrick does, and it's not going to hurt the offense that much. So I think this is the only one that really gives us something where it's like, wow, this could kind of turn the season out of the, out of the time that's missed. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jake. I actually thought about it in a different uh, in the different way as it related to Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Like, 
this clears an opportunity for Jamal Williams to go ahead and grab this job, right? We talked about the defenses that he's facing and how he may defecate the mattress with that opportunity, but he does have an opportunity uh, if he does well for it to become maybe less of a timeshare and more, you know, where the scales could be tipped in a different direction based on his performance without Aaron Jones in the timeshare in the first couple of games. So I hear you on that. The way I thought about it, I personally on this voted Julian Edelman. The same kind of thinking, yes, we have talked about it, Jake, but I think in the same way you talk about the opportunity for Jamal Williams, I think this is an opportunity for Jordan Matthews to potentially um, start to build chemistry with Tom Brady and start to carve out a role that he might be able to maintain some of, even with the return of Julian Edelman, which will happen in week five for the New England Patriots. But if you want to join the show, plenty of ways you could do it, okay? Voting on this poll in Twitter is one of them. Tell us what you think. Is it Jameis Winston, Julian Edelman, Aaron Jones, or Mark Ingram? Right now, 41% of people say that it is Mark Ingram. Ingram. So it depends on how you read the question a little bit, Jake. We've been talking about how we don't think Alvin Kamara really soaks up all of that opportunity, but a lot of people out there do. I I know we have cautioned against that because we want him to kind of stay in that 15-touch-a-game level so he can maintain his explosiveness, but a lot of people are assuming that this bumps up Alvin Kamara. We have cause for pause on that one, but get on out and vote in the poll if you can. All right, Jake. Let's finally talk a little Dallas Cowboys, okay? We've been talking about this in our team-by-team previews. We're here in the NFC East. We are going to discuss the Dallas Cowboys. Here's the first question. Here's the way I want to frame it to you, Uh, Jake. After Ezekiel Elliott, who's obviously a first-round pick, you know, in my opinion, in my opinion, I have him, I forget if it's third or fourth in terms of my running backs, but I do have him a little bit slightly higher than most. I have him at three or four. I think he's definitely a first-round talent, as most people do. After Ezekiel Elliott... When's the next time a Dallas Cowboy is being drafted in leagues? Is it not until like round eight or nine? Is it Alan Hearns or is it Dak Prescott? Like after Zeke Elliott, where's the fantasy viability on this team? Uh, Couldn't you have done the work yourself? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) You could have looked at ADP. You had the answer. I guess, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I just think that speaks to how this team doesn't really have the weapons that it's had in years past. That's all. No, I know. I'm just saying you asked the question. It's like this is something you could have done your research for. Come on, Dave. This is true. Like, this is true, but it's like, you know, it's more of like a rhetorical prompt to get the conversation started. Well, you don't need a rhetorical question. I'll give you the actual answer, and it's not until around 11, and it's Alan Hearns. So there you go. That's, a, that's what it is. Okay, so then the follow-up question, if you get my gist, Jake, is like, doesn't this speak to a dearth of dynamic playmakers on this Cowboys team? And what does that mean for this offense? No, I don't think it It means that. The fact is the Bills maybe had two players drafted in past years, but they still have playmakers. The fact is a lot of teams are going to be weaker than others. I mean, the the Bills are one of the worst in the league. The Dolphins are one of the worst in the league. They have more that you want for fantasy. The Cowboys are better than those teams. The problem is it's just for fantasy. There's not a clear option. Yeah, they have Ezekiel Elliott. A lot of people expect a worse season for Dak Prescott because of the lack of high end. He still has Hearns and Cole Beasley might actually lead this team in receptions and yards. Terrence Williams is still a thing because the Cowboys are insistent on making him a thing until he dies. I don't, I don't know why. But right. And Michael Gallup, like, that's what a lot of people have started drafting even before Hearns now. 
not really that, realizing that he's wrong. It would be a surprise if he's making an impact from week one. But the fa- there's, there's going to be talent. There's going to be some here. It's just, is it going to be a consistent talent? And is it going to be fantasy-worthy is obviously a different question than when it comes down to you know, somebody not having a talent as a team in NFL-wise. That's true. And, and, and to be quite honest, I usually say that sometimes what's really good for fantasy is not good for your NFL team and vice versa. Sometimes having a, a spread of options is good for the NFL team, but not as good for fantasy. Case in point, Exhibit A being maybe the Los Angeles Rams wide receivers or other kind of fantasy herds out there. I mean, you know, I mean, you got Hearns, you got Williams, you got Beasley, you got Gallup, um, I, Deontay Thompson, potentially even like this. Like, who do you think does poke their head up? And is the you know, when we're talking about this next year, who are we talking about as the best wide receiver on the Cowboys? Who would you put your lot on out of this out of this herd of wide receivers, Jake? Well, I said that it's Michael Gallup. It's just it's, yeah. people expecting it early this season is the mistake. OK. Okay, and so the thing is, they lose Des Bryant, right? They lose Jason Witten. That is a lot of targets out there for up for grabs, right? So for some of them, for somebody is going to be able to grab this brass ring. It it reminds me almost, Jake. It reminds me a little bit about the New York Jets, right? There's so many of these options at wide receiver. If you get it right and add and and correctly pick who does pop their head up, you know, it it could represent some value. No, when we talk about this all the time, like whether it's the Cleveland running backs, right, or whether it's uh, in this in in the Rams wide receivers. If you pick the right one, um, it does represent some value. Is that you, you with me on that one, Jake? Only if we get consistency. It's the okay. fact is that still you can still get inconsistent. It might not present any value because it might not present any type of value for your team. Not values, and you're drafted, you know, lower than what his return is. It's just you're not going to be able to predict the consistency. And some of the weeks you're just not going to be even happy you have him in your lineup. Right. So you know, we on a week to week basis, it it could be very very frustrating. Jake, um, Ezekiel Elliott. Top five pick. We know that. Um, I know you're going to cut me off. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. Can we talk Tavon Austin for a hot second? Um, Do whatever the hell you want. I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. I mean, I just wonder. Like he was, he was uh, toiling with Jeff Fisher for a lot of a lot of the time. In Jeff his Fisher had nothing to do with it. Okay, fair enough. And so, what about this idea that when there is kind of this? This spread or this flattening of these other kind of weapons, you know, this idea of Williams and Hearns and Gallup and Beasley. Do you think there's any potential for a guy that's, you know, one of those kind of shifty bubble screen end around pocket knife kind of PPR guys like they don't have anybody that can play that role. So, you know, is there any chance of him like inhabiting that role like they have like other teams have someone that can do that as a kind of Swiss Army knife uh, PPR kind of guy? No, he's going to be it. that role. No, right, that's but, the role so, he's going to be. That doesn't mean I want this can have any fantasy value. <laughs> All right. I mean, like yeah, these kinds of guys, though, this role, if you think he's going to have that role for the team, this role, generally speaking, is becoming more and more valuable as we move to PPR leagues, no, as we not move in to fantasy. passing league in the NFL. You don't think so? No, no. no name name guy, somebody the, that's in that role that's valuable in fantasy. Uh, Chris Thompson, Tarek Cohen. No, that's not the uh, same Elijah thing. Elijah Maguire. Nope. Okay, no, nope. you don't think. No. Nope. Okay, so tell me what you how you think that role is different than what I'm describing. 
What that's role consistent, do you think he's having? That's a consistent backup running back as a pass-catching option. That's not okay. what Tavon Austin is. That Tavon Austin's a gimmick player. He's always been a gimmick player. That's why people were foolish to buy into him when he was with the Rams. Mm-hmm. They're foolish to buy into him now. How many touches do you think Tavon Austin's going to get any, sing, any, any single week? In a, in a week? Uh, four. Yeah, five. 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 So, okay, okay, exactly. That, that's the right, end so, of your so conversation. You're he's, is he like the Percy Harvin then? No, because Percy Harvin was a wide receiver getting more touches than that and more opportunities. Okay. All right, so no. you know, you, it's just not there. All right, listen, I, I got a weird feel. I, like, call it wild speculation, Jake, and that's okay. I, um, I just want to be on record. I, there's something's, I, I think that role... I think that role could uh, have a little bit of utility, especially on a team where there is no clear wide receiver stud, and especially on a team where Ezekiel Elliott is such the type of running back that he is. But I understand. Talk to me a little bit, Jake, about the two, about what you see as the progression for Dak Prescott. I mean, people were high on him last year. People. I'm not saying you or I, right? But people were high on him last year. But he seems to now be evolving. He's lost Des Bryant. He's lost uh, Jason Witten, the security blanket. It's clear they want to run the ball with Ezekiel. Elliott. They have one of the top five offensive lines in the game. What are you expecting from Dak Prescott? I mean, I feel like his star rose a little bit too quickly. Uh, you know, do you see him compare him, say, vis-a-vis a Mitch Trubisky or another young quarterback, um, you know, that you have maybe as a super flex or a two quarterback league kind of guy? Talk to me. What do you expect out of Dak? No, it's that has nothing to do with it. It's, you're talking about apples and oranges when you try and compare okay. Dak Prescott to Trubisky. The fact is, is he's more similar to a Tyrod Taylor than anything, and mm. that's even not a great comparison. Dak Prescott's just different in his own right. The thing is, Dak Prescott, you're not getting 500 pass attempts, and you're not even getting 500 pass attempts to that great of a wide receiver core, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So you have lower quality wide receivers. You have somebody who's not going to throw the ball 500 plus times. There's your similarities to Tyrod Taylor. And then right. similar to Tyrod Taylor, the value comes because he ends up rushing for five, four, four, 500 yards and four or five touchdowns. So he has fantasy appeal. And the, you know, the problem is last year is I didn't rank him as high as that because he finished inside the top 10 because I wasn't expecting him to get that money. He have six rushing touchdowns. I'm not yeah. expecting that again this year. So if he only has three or four, and, you know, you take a little knock off the passing even more. Maybe he only throws 450 times this year with Ezekiel Elliott back for 16 games. Right. Yeah, I don't see where the fantasy appeal is. Yeah, and also remember in his rookie year, Jake, I think he had something like what, like four interceptions, you know, and that was it. Like to to make your point about the comparison to Tyrod Taylor, another guy who was trying to take care of the ball, but in year two he had thirteen interceptions. That's a big difference, you know, Jake, going from four where that could be something he hangs his hat on that he doesn't turn the ball over and has some rushing yards to all of a sudden throwing thirteen picks. I think that's another big difference in what we've seen in the kind of up and down of Dak Prescott. Well, people blame Dez, and it wasn't all Dez's fault. In fact, part of the reason Des fell off last year was Dak Prescott. You can go watch. Go look on YouTube. There's a little there's a breakdown on there of a goal line situation with three straight plays to Dak Prescott to Des Bryant. And he overthrows him twice right. and throws behind him once. And all of them were Dak the Prescott fade. throwing off target. Was he trying to do those high point fades in the corner? That That's what I think. No. No, he that's so say he overthrew him twice and threw behind him. It was it wasn't that was gotcha. it was a crossing route. One was going across the back of the end zone after the play broke down. So he missed them in all three straight plays. All right. And so here's the thing, Jake. It sounds like we're not. I mean, and off. And you know, I also think this defense. To be quite honest, you know, 
average at best, probably a bottom half kind of defense, right? They're in the contract standoff with DeMarcus Lawrence. He's, it looks like he's going to be playing with the franchise tag. You never know if Sean Lee can be healthy for any stretch of time. So I say all that to mean, you know, this could be a bottom 10 or 15 defense. And it sounds like we're not super confident about the quarterback. We're not super confident about this wide receiver core yet, Jake. If you go on over to mybookie.ag and enter the promo code FNTSY where you get a 50% deposit bonus, the over-under on America's team is 8.5, Jake. I'm laying the under on this one. I think they're at best the third best team in this division. Um, I don't necessarily see them above 500. Jason Garrett makes a habit of going 8, 500, 8 and 8. 8.5 eight and is a little bit too rich for my blood. This is not one that I'm necessarily passing on, Jake. I think I would lay a couple of shekels on the under of the Cowboys at 8.5. I also think because of the America's team tag, sometimes there's an inflated number on some of these really public teams, and I think that could be the case with the Cowboys, do you agree? Would you take the under on eight and a half for Dallas? Yeah, that's not even a question in my mind. So, yes, you would, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely value there. Jake and I agree. And listen, sometimes Jake and I disagree, right? And that's where the magic happens sometimes, or the magic or the silence, regardless. But um, what we, when we do agree, go, not, run, don't walk, okay, right now to wherever you got to go, whether that's mybookie.ag or if you live in, like, Delaware, go on over to, you know, go on over to the beaches, go on over to the sports books where you could actually place that bet in person. We both like the under for the Dallas Cowboys. Jake, I... Uh, I was told also by Scott that uh, the Scotty Fishbowl draft is done. And so I was looking at some of your stuff for the Scotty Fishbowl draft. I want to well, talk to you. Is it, I, I was looking. I'm looking at your team. It looks like 22 rounds have happened. Yeah, a couple of days ago. I'm saying for some people it's done. It's not done for everybody. Some people are still drafting. Oh, okay. It looks, though, like that the, uh, you know, the division or the conference, whichever it is that you are in, it looks like we have a full draft. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. And then, you know, when we come back later on in the show, I want to bounce some ideas off you, new ways for us to have fun here and put the fun in functional sports radio on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. But I did want to look at the back end of your uh, Scotty Fishbowl draft, if that was all right with you. You know, we talked about how, you know, when uh, the last time we looked at it, you were looking for value, right? You drafted DeMarco Murray, Des Bryant, Chris Ivory, all in a row. We were, you know, at, at some point, Des Bryant is going to be a value there, right? We talk about how nothing is absolute. It's all relative. Like, at a certain point, it does, ha- you, you know, it does represent value. And you did that with a lot of guys in the back end. Specifically, I want to look at your 18th and 19th round picks because uh, maybe these guys are some handcuffs. We talked about James Conner uh, a couple of days ago, and you actually, I think, mentioned that you do not think he has shown or not demonstrated that he could be an every-down kind of back, that he's just going to be maybe a career kind of backup. You do go ahead, though, Jake, and draft him in the 19th round. So talk to me about this concept, this idea that, like, it's all relative, right? At a certain point, everybody has some value. And at a certain point, these handcuffs that you got, the Austin Ecklers, the Deontay Foremans, the James Connors, these guys all have value. Talk to me about, you know, when you start thinking that even guys who you may don't have personal faith in do represent some value, at least in the handcuff end. At what point in the draft are you starting to turn your attention to these sorts of players, Jake? Well, it's two different scenarios with that. Okay. The thing with James Conner, my point was about dynasty and keeping him for next year and for the future. That's completely different than redrafting for only this season. That if gotcha. something happens to Le'Veon Bell, they don't have somebody that can wait for the draft next year. So it's going to be James Conner and Fitzgerald Toussaint. So 
That's the difference. That's why James Conner is a decent flyer because like any handcuff in fantasy football, if the main guy goes down and you've got a high workload of touches for the backup option, even if you're a mediocre backup option, if you're going to be touching the ball 15 to 20 times a game as a running back, it's going to be hard not to have some fantasy. Like even if you're media, even if you're averaging 3.2 yards per carry and you're not doing very much scoring maybe three touchdowns over the course of 10 games, you'll probably still have RB3 flex value in a good amount of those weeks. That's the thing. Is that kind of volume is going to give you value. So that's why it came down to James Conner, because if Bell goes down, there's nobody else there but him and Toussaint. Right. And I guess, I mean, although I don't think this is the case, but, you know, his agent is threatened that he might hold out into the off, into the He's not regular season. I don't think he is either, Jake. You know no, what no. I mean? There's, but- no, there's no thinking. He's not, I'm telling you right now. There's like You can say thank you yourself. I'm telling you as everybody, it's a fact. He is not holding out. He's not giving up $7 million. He's not giving up those game checks. And if he ever wants to hit the free agent market and, uh, you know, actually earn that money, people are going to want to see him for 16 games. And he's going to want to bet. He's, in essence, betting on himself again. So he needs the full season of production. I agree with you. Jake, I also want to talk, you know, your 18th round pick, when you talk about these kind of handcuffs, I've said, I've told you before, and I think you've agreed that he did show something. And when you combine this with, I have a lack of faith in Lamar Miller, I think Deontay Foreman has a chance to not only be a handcuff, but to threaten for that job in the second half of the season. I know he's coming off the Achilles injury, right? And, and that is a tough injury to come back from. I'll grant you that. But do you think there's a, you know, if I put a percentage on it, do you think there's a chance that Deontay Foreman actually does, by the second half of the season, kind of take the reins and has any potential to be a lead back? I asked that to mention, like, when, when we talk about these guys, the Austin Ecklers, the James Connors, the Deontay Foremans of the world, right? The, the uh, I don't know, the, the Jeremy Hills, you know, the Spencer Wares of the world. I think Deontay Foreman has as good a chance as any to actually grab that lead job in Houston, Jake. Mm, maybe the fact is he could start the season on the pup. So I think this is the first time I've owned a share of him. I'm only going to own him in best ball because people are over, they're overreacting to the potential from last year, which I like the talent. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, if it's not going to be ready for week one, it's going to be hard to do. Yeah, I guess that is true. But, you know, sometimes with these guys, you're making spec plays also that people don't think about early in the season. But in the fantasy playoffs, they'll be there on your roster. We're off and running here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Jake Seeley and Dane Martinez. When we come back, talk a little bit more about this draft. And we put the fun and functional sports radio. I got some more ideas to bounce off Jakey Jakey. So keep it locked. Roto Experts in the Morning. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. in the morning. Jay, can I get a ooh-la-la-la out of you? Absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't think so, but, you know, it can't hurt to try. Ooh-la-la-la. i tell you what I woke up to this morning, though. What's that? Candy rain. Really? 
Yeah. That's a blast from the past. That's a blast from the past. I like that. Listen, back in that time, you know, I mean, between like, was that New Edition, Jake? Candy Rain? Yeah. No. Bobby Brown. No, it was what? It's that era. No, no, no. Uh, Soul for Real. Uh, Candy Remember Soul for Real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying all those kind that, of like R&B groups was, of that, that was, era. Uh, that was good stuff. That was, uh, they, what else did they have? They had the, um, the every, the every Little Thing I Do. Yes. I Do For well, You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to think if they had it. That might be it. Every little step I take, something like that. I mean, that was some, some good stuff. I don't but know. That's the thing. It's like it was like the yeah, one it was wonders, like, like we talked about before. They're con- uh, they're con- it's almost like they're like two or three. They're like hit a step wonders. up, right? They're like one step up from the one hit wonder, right? But I mean, that's not like you said that whole time. It was like New Edition, Black Street, All for, yeah. uh, Soul for Real. All those guys. Who, 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 yeah. Who else was there? Well, I think I think. Couple- but listen, you said Blackstreet and Soul for Real. I think those are two slightly. I think new uh, Blackstreet no, was a little bit later, right? The No Diggity, that stuff. That was a little bit later than like the new they edition were, Soul for Real. Maybe only like a like a year. The, yeah. the early Blackstreet was still around that time in the mid nineties. All right, yeah, but I'm seeing see when you say mid nineties to me, New Edition was more like late eighties. You know, because like uh, no, so, they uh, could, no, they came. They came. They became really popular in the nineties. All right, we'll have to look that up or something. But in any event, I digress. We're here to win your leagues and win that cash. Jake, we were talking about this kind of fishball draft. Let's talk about Jodeci and Montel. Yeah, let's talk about oh Jodeci by far for me. Come and talk to me. Do you remember that? Come and talk to me. That was my jam, yo. You would have seen a middle school speeds the spitting statistician trying to spit game to all the candy coated rainbows out there with uh, with uh, Jodeci for sure. <laughs> well, like so the- for real, had more than I thought they did. Ain't no sunshine oh, yeah? if you want it. Wow. Look dude. up the time frame of New Edition because I do think they're more I'm 80s right, than 90s I'm when you bring well, that it depends, up. It depends on what New Edition you want. That's what I'm saying. It's oh, it was like an how... evolving thing like Destiny's Child. Well, because <laughs> Can You Stay in the Rain? Right. You remember that? That's 1988. Yeah. But the, See? The, uh, I said the, late 80s. No, no. I know. But I'm saying they're more popular ones. Like I'm looking right now. Look, hold on. I'm pulling up New, new Edition. All right. Go I'm, ahead. Because I, I know. Because I remember there's the whole thing. Because I, I skated to them Wasn't like the Bobby 90s. Brown and like Keith Sweat. Weren't they like part of New Edition and then went solo? Oh, my solo? gosh. Keith Sweat. Right? That's what I'm talking about, you know? I think they were like part of New Edition and then they branched off and had yeah. solo careers. And that's, I think those no, solo careers that's what, were All right. So here you go. No, it's, they were, they took a break after ninety, uh, and they got they back together for, <laughs> and, and they got back together for ninety six to ninety seven. Ah, uh, the reunion tour, got it. Yeah, <laughs> but the ninety six to ninety seven is what I remember. That's the one that uh. like so that's like hit me off. I'm still in love with you. Okay, okay. That's what I, that's what I skated to. Is I'm still in love with you. <laughs> gotcha. I can imagine a young Jake Steely on the skating rink making it happen. Jake in the Scotty Fishbowl League. I do have a couple more questions for you though. Um, I don't know if it was a snake or not, but in the last round, you go ahead and get Zay Jones. Okay. Similar in the question I asked you about, like some of these handcuffs at that stage of the game, Jake. One of the things I consider, and I want to know like how much of a consideration it is for you, to me, listen, I'm not buying any of this Buffalo Bills offense, right? But because I think they, you know, 
quite frankly, suck so bad. For a receiver like Zay Jones, there may be some garbage time potential. Is that kind of your calculation? And to be honest, on that team, in garbage time, I think it's a Zay Jones type over a Kelvin Benjamin kind of type, a guy that who can, you know, kind of go horizontal across the field, that sort of thing, with underneath coverage or with prevent coverage. Is that a consideration for you on teams that have, or that on bad teams that have wide receivers that may get some garbage time? Did you think about that at all when drafting Zay Jones in what may have been Mr. Irrelevant, but not if it was snaking? No, it comes down to I wasn't a fan of Zay Jones for what the hype that he was receiving last year because of the right. school he came from for the fact that it's five wide and people they're like it's going to be a tough transition. Ah, oh, Zay Jones, look at all the receptions he had. Well, yeah, again, he came from a five wide offense where he's the right. number one option. So it's going to be a little bit different. All that being said, as bad as the team will be, there will be value for receivers. There, I don't need garbage time. Even there's still, at worst case, what the quarterback? Like say, let's say one quarterback starts the entire season, all 16 games for this team. Okay. Uh, whatever, whether you want it to be Peterman, whether you want it to be McCarron, or whether you want it to be Josh Allen, whoever. Let's say it's AJ McCarron for this for this exercise. Whoever it is, okay. what's the worst case scenario? Thirty-two hundred yards. That's that's pretty yeah. terrible for 16 games. That's 200 yeah. yards a game. He'll say that's worse. 200 yards a game passing and 3,200 yards has to go somewhere, and it's not going to be Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin will probably be right around 1,000, if that. It's 2,200 more yards still out there to be had, and that's the issue is Zay Jones, if this off-the-field stuff doesn't keep him from being suspended and that he's actually on the field for all 16 games, he's arguably the second-best talent, despite the fact that I wasn't a huge fan of where he was going last year. The height was too high. He's still talented enough. You know, what, Andre Holmes? No, come on. Andre Holmes is fine as a third option. What about Charles Clay as that option, though, out of the tight end spot? And Charles, yeah, Charles Clay will get he, – what? So he's going to get his 700 yards? That's right. still – okay, we still have – do the math. There's still, still some of the pie left. Right. So, And I, I'd be surprised if he got 700 because Charles Clay is always going to miss three games. Yeah, he's going to get injured, right. He's, uh, he, every single year he misses time. Guaranteed. Yeah. No, I hear you. So listen, we talk about the pie, right? And we could all acknowledge that the Buffalo Bills pie might be a bite-sized pie, might be a little personal sa- serving kind of pie. But listen, if you're the you know second or third biggest slice of that pie – Maybe there's still value there. So remember, you got to consider the size of the overall pie and then the slice of that pie. Uh, Jake, the last question I have for you on this Scotty Fishbowl uh, League is uh, I, I talk a lot with my man Kenneth Cashman over at Rotoware, and I know he's got those Scotty Fishbowl shirts going out. I literally spoke to him on the phone yesterday, and he said that uh, he's folding up shirts and sending them to everybody. Did you get a Scotty Fishbowl shirt yet? No. Are you going to? No. Oh, Jake, man! Sometimes you're such a party pooper. I love you and all, but do you? You are you? Do you? Am I a party pooper if I don't want one of the shirts? No offense to that. I love Scott Fishbowl. I don't want one of the shirts. It, all right, fair not enough. Something I want. Would you call yourself a heel though, Jake? If people do. I have no problem right. with it. But no, 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 that's, no, that's, that's not that's, what I asked. I asked, would you call yourself a heel? No, I said whatever one people want to call me. I don't care. I don't call myself anything. All right, that is a true. That is the true kind of response of a heel. I will say that we only got a couple of minutes, Jake. I wanted to bounce two things off of you. One, because I don't want a damn T-shirt. That's why. No, no, no. Remember, I am not. A, I am not assigning anything to you. It was a question. Yeah. It was a uh-huh. question. Uh, so then, there's no. And then, you know. and then you went and said, "Yeah, I, I, nice try." I, you you gave the response right after that. No, I said, "Do you see yourself?" And then as when a I heel? responded, you said, "As a heel would." 
suggest that's how, or how a heel would respond. I heard that, it. I'm not right, and that's, yeah. but that's one example. That doesn't mean you could do something that's uh, yeah, you, you can know, infer whatever you want. Mean, What's your next question? Let's that doesn't go. mean on. that you are. We that. already know. Look, like they'll, they'll try to placate me now. Just continue. You already no, said it. It's fine. No, I said that that was a heel behavior. That does not mean that you are. Which a is heel. what Those you're, you're infer- inferring. I got it. Oh, go ahead. Continue. That's all right. If you want to make that leap, it's all good, Jakey Jakey. Here's what I do want to ask you. Okay, there is big news, and I know we haven't talked, we don't talk much Major League Baseball, but listen, this Manny Machado trade did in fact go down, right? Do, does this trade make the Dodgers like the leading contender in the National League now? I mean, do you think, how big of an impact do you think this has, and is this just a rental for the Dodgers? Because let's not forget, they got Corey Seager there already. You know, I know he's out for the, you know, for the year, but... I guess my question's for you, Jake, on this Machado trade or twofold. One, does it push the Dodgers to the top of the uh, NL kind of contender projection, shall we say? And two, do you think this is just a uh, three-month stint for the Dodgers and Machado? Well, yeah, because they have Seager. So right. That's, but maybe, I don't know, the, could he play third? I mean, they have Justin Turner there, too, so I don't know. But, yeah, no, so, yeah, you think don't. it's a rental. That's, that's, Chris, Chris Taylor got moved to the outfield. They, there's no room for all this. So that's, that's, that's definitely a rental. Uh, the, whether or not it makes them favorites, I don't think so. I think it helps. But the way that the Cubs have been playing, they're still a contender. And I, if you're telling me the Cubs versus the Dodgers in a given series, uh, what do the Dodgers have pitching-wise this year? Everybody keeps getting hurt. So I still, with the way the Cubs are playing and everything, and that's without Chris Bryant doing well, I'm going to take the Cubs as of today. All right, so you have the Cubs in pole position. Um, Do you believe in any of these kind of NL East teams that are maybe ahead of the curve here, Atlanta and Philly, who are maybe a year early? Do you think, uh, which one of them do you think has a better chance to sustain this and hold off uh, what is like the struggling nationals, but people think that they may get their act together. Do you believe in the Phillies and or the Braves? And to be honest, I'll throw the Brewers in there as teams that are kind of on the come. Not until we see if they make something in the, the trade move department because okay. the, 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 for the fact is the Brewers don't have the pitching for it. I know they've been kind of lucky with some of them so far, but you're telling me all these guys like uh, who's the Huli Shashin? Yeah, right. Zach they, Davies gonna, and stuff. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Come on, buddy. So, like Chase Anderson's not pitching well, so no, the, the Brewers need to trade. They, they, if they don't, what if I'd be they're shocked. the Degrom they, team? What if they're the Degrom trade partner? Uh, I'd be a hundred percent shocked if they are. If they, but then if that does happen, I think that the Brewers have a legitimate chance. But they also they keep getting hurt all the time. Like you can see, they're they're trying to trade for offense too because Braun is hurt again. Yeah, this team just can't stay healthy. So I, if you told me between the three. As young as they are, and I don't trust the Phillies or Braves for experience, which does matter to a degree with how young both these teams are. Phillies actually have more than the Braves, but I like the Braves roster more from top to bottom. If you told me if I had to pick one of the three, I'd say the Braves are the biggest threat. But I also I don't think I like I'm going to come again. I'm going to come down to the Cubs or the Dodgers because the thing you're talking about too is either the Braves or the Phillies are going to be in a one game playoff with the Brewers likely. Right. But then you talk about the pitching, right? And I would say in a one-game situation, I'd rather have Newcomb or Fultonevich pitching um, or Nola, you know, pitching than as to our point. Oh, no, you know, whoever, not even, whoever the Brewers are out there, period. right? 
No, so, I mean, well, we don't know about where it, the turn in the rotation they would be. You know, like maybe they. Oh, have to they. Compete. I think. I think <laughs> unless they had to compete for that last game of the season, if they you knew, that they'd find a way to set him up. Yeah, I think you're right, but like we, you know, a lot of times this wild card race does go down to the last time of the season, and they may need him to, in essence, secure that spot. I hear you, right? Like Nola yeah, would but be you amazing. Were, you were throwing out names. I'm just telling you, it'd be if, okay. if it was for me, it would be Nola. Yeah. It would be a question if it was just sure. like. I I don't trust Newcomb in one game, not at you all. You don't trust Newcomb or Fultonevich. What about Fulty? Mm, I trust them more than Newcomb. Okay, uh, I would trust. Let's put it this way: I would trust these guys more than to your previous point. Whoever the Brewers might run out in that situation. Nah. If you told me Newcomb versus Chase Anderson, I think this is a toss up. And I'm really? I'm I was the biggest fan of Newcomb of anybody out there coming to the season, and you can go look that up. Still, he is so inconsistent that on a one-game basis with that kind of pressure and how wild he can get at any given time, I might just take, I know I'm going to get Chase Anderson's two or three runs in six innings and just deal mm. with that. All right, and think that the Brewers could uh, maybe outslug him. Maybe Jesus Aguilar goes yard in that game like the big boy has shown. I think it was 24 times already so far this season. Jake, i got a couple of things I want to bounce off you. We only got a couple of minutes left. Um... We've talked about, remember when we talked about how Brock got into the octagon after the Daniel Cormier thing? Well, uh, you know, it was announced this week that he will, in fact, defend the title at SummerSlam. It looks like it's going to be Lashley or Reigns or whatever. Here's my question for you. Jake, are we going to see uh, Daniel Cormier at SummerSlam? <laughs> you know, I mean, how, how much of this kind of crossover should we expect? Do you think there's any chance DC gets in there? Uh, like, no. what, is this, no. what is this case um, of this kind of UFC, WWE crossover? I throw that out kind of casually and lightheartedly. I don't expect that necessarily either. Um, but, uh, you know, you can bet on the WWE, and it is a very interesting market. And a lot of people do very, very well. Um, betting on the WWE. So it is intriguing. I don't think necessarily there will be that crossover easy either, but uh, I do think he's going to drop the belt. Uh, Jake, what do you think about that? Well, finally. I mean, that's the whole... Because the contract going back, up, right? Yeah, he's going back to the UFC. He's, already, he's been cleared to be able to wrestle in July, or not January. So He's got to finish yeah, that suspension from WADA, but yeah. WWE needs to stop with this nonsense and just, and then he's going to. And the only issue that you can see maybe is that they want to continue to be this whole surprise and, oh, he didn't drop the belt, and he does right. the next night on Raw. That's the mm -hmm. only thing that, so that's why I wouldn't bet on it if you're talking about it for that aspect. Right. But it's, it's going to happen. Or like he actually wins the match. And then all of a sudden, your boy Strowman cashes in, right? That could be another yeah. way they do it. Well, well uh, another. It's, 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 he won't have the belt after that weekend, including Monday. Right, by Labor Day. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, all right. is that, how close is that to? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what it is Day. exactly, but I know it's got to be a, one of the weekends at the end of the summer. I think it's, the, is, I think uh, it's what is it, the 26th, 50, so it's one weekend right. so before. Yeah. Before yeah. Labor Day. So by Labor Day, it probably won't happen. Last thing I want to mention to you, Jake, uh, you know, we've kind of fizzled out on Roto Clio, and I understand that, but Scott and I were talking about a way maybe to uh, still be able to give away uh, in-season fantasy packages, and we talked about this. You know, everyone likes to have funny uh, – fantasy football team names and puns on the players or things that are going on in the universe. How do you feel about an ongoing contest where we, you know, from Twitter or wherever people send us their favorite team names and we continue to kind of critique them a little bit. And uh, Scott is willing to give like the top three uh, Roto Edge exclusive in-season fantasy packages. How do you feel about that? Are you down to play in this game and help us evaluate? And what are some of the funniest team names you've seen in the last couple of years? 
Uh, that's sure. I don't see why not. That sounds fun. Those are, people always love fun team names. I told you I was going to do the one that you and I talked about at the same time and both had a similar idea because we remember the rapper. That's actually what I made for my home team name. Wait, which one is this? I'm forgetting. Remind Royce the Fire. Oh, Freeman. for Royce Freeman. I like that. Yeah. I like that a little bit. I'm also right now, I, I told you I had Patty Mahomes in a dynasty league. I think I might go with a little Das Mahomes essay, something like that. But you need the essay to get the pronunciation of Mahomes correctly. So we shall see. Speaking of Twitter, though, Jake, I'm telling you, I had someone hit me up telling me that they love the beat the shift idea for the all-star festivities. But they wanted to take it a step further and kind of have it be like horse. Jake, like where the first guy will call his shot, say where he's going to have to hit it, and then the next guy has to like hit it to the same zone of the field. No, no, no that's going too far now. It's like a call shot, like Babe Ruth. No, I think that's a people, little too far. People would get like one hit correct, like hit ticket. It'd be, it's the first person to go would have would the win. benefit because yeah, because it would be horse and like five hits, maybe six. Yeah, you know, maybe you then flip it. It's like a home and an away inning. Then the other guy gets the chance to call their no. shot. A lot of no. creativity, though, from people out there. Hopefully, creativity continues in football team names. Jake, tomorrow we talk your team, the New York Football Giants. Have a great rest of the day, okay, brother man? Carton and Friends up next on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.